Hello, friends. Today's podcast is sponsored by One Carrot a Day, an online studio where feeling better is achievable and sustainable. One Carrot a Day works with the yoga practice applied to nutrition, a mindful approach that can be life changing. The thing is that when it comes to healthcare, prices are sometimes prohibitive. At One Carrot a Day, top professionals strive for inclusion from all angles. Hello, friends, and welcome to an all-new episode of Heartfelt Consciousness. I'm your guide today, Laura Bender, and today's guest is Anna Pilar. She has been teaching yoga in Austin, Texas since 2001 and has been training yoga teachers since 2006 at both a 200 and 500 level um, in the United States and also abroad, and it was actually grandfathered into the International Association of Yoga Therapists, receiving her CI. A-Y-T, don't say that really fast, it's very tongue twisty, Um, in recognition for her specialized client work in adaptive structural therapeutics. So um, check out today's podcast, we kind of get into the tantric yoga, um, the tantra yoga um, training that's going to be happening in January. So thank you again for listening. I'll check in with you on the other side. Welcome uh, today to uh, Heartfelt Consciousness. And today my guest is Anna Pilar. So welcome, Anna. Um, Hi. hi. Uh, So would you mind telling the listeners, I don't actually know all your backstory. Would you mind telling me and the listeners a little bit about yourself and how your journey started with yoga? That is a long story, actually. (laughs) I kind of figured, but But, uh, I'll sum it up a little bit. I actually first did my first yoga class. It wasn't even a real class. This is like way back in the 80s. I was 16 and I, my mom had this VCR tape, VHS tape mm-hmm. called Raquel Welch's Total Body Fitness. Yes. I think I know someone that had that same exact VHS tape that told yeah. me about this. Bikram yoga. And I don't know. Oh. She didn't call it Bikram yoga. She called it Raquel Welch's total bad, which is like, <laughs> I out of Bikram, but there's a whole other story about Bikram. We all know. So, um, so I remember, I mean, they did the whole breathing, the whole thing. I just remember doing that, like, you know, VHS tape. And there's only like, like 12 postures. You do it twice. And like, I mean, tech, it is the, the Bikram sequence. Um, but I just remember being like, because I wasn't, I was a little too hypermobile in certain areas. So I wasn't great in a lot of competitive sports at all. Cause I'd always end up injuring myself. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I did ride horses. Um, but again, like not like I wasn't like the soccer person or like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. cross or like the volleyball. So I was like, Oh my God, I can do this. This is like, this is like, feels good. Um, but you know, you're 16. So like you kind of, you know, flip on and off. And then I found yoga again in college when I was in Boston. Um, and again, again, 20 something college nineties, mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? Like when I wasn't, you know, drinking and smoking, I might've, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Um, and then it wasn't until I, uh, Oh, and I graduated from the VHS tape of Raquel Welch to the VHS tape that was AM and PM yoga with Rodney Yee and Patricia Walden. 
Yeah, that that one's a, another one of my guests did actually. That was like her first experience with uh, with uh, yoga as well. Rodney Yee was like a whole nother yeah. ball game. It was it was amazing. I was like, oh, this is this is. It was. I think they were only like half an hour, twenty minute practices. There might have mm-hmm. been an hour one in there, but I mean, there were like snippets. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, it was great. Uh, so I did. I was doing that, and then. I ended up in Chicago uh, in my early 20s. First job was Arthur Anderson, which, you know, was a huge tax company, right? And so I was an inpatriot tax. And I guess their insurance premiums were just really, really high. So I guess you think Chicago tax accountants, you know, a lot of high stress. Like this is like corporate stuff, right? Yeah. A lot of drinking, smoking, and eating like stuffed pizza, sausage and peppers. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> all, the, all the really grounding foods that right. probably gives you a heart attack. Yeah, exactly. It <laughs> yeah, doesn't ground you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so um, they decided to like do this sort of health wellness initiative. Um, and you know, they brought in, they brought in like, you know, massage therapist, the acupuncturist, you know what I mean? Like, cause you'd be working these long hours, but they also brought in a yoga teacher that would do a class once a week, uh, up in one of the conference rooms. Her name was Anita. I don't remember her last name, but she was this beautiful African-American woman. I think she studied at Kripalu. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, uh, like she was in her sixties, but wow. I thought she was like maybe 40. Like, do you know what I mean? I remember being, yeah. like, yeah. being like, that's, that's what that, I want to look like that. Like, you know? Um, and so that became like, really, I think I was 23, 24. That was when I really started to be like, I like this a lot and I have to do this at least every week. And I started doing everything. Like what, and I started practicing, like, you know, even on my own. And then um, I got walking pneumonia and I moved to Austin, Texas. This was 2000 and um, year 2000. And I found a studio here. I started practicing with and I started training and the thing that was 20 or 21 years ago now. Um, and so I just started, got my, you know, I started working the desks, teaching classes and, and because I don't know why, why Austin at that time, I mean, Austin wasn't as like, Austin popular as it is mm-hmm. now. Um, but we had lots of national presenters coming through. So that's how I met my my teacher, Gary Krafsow from American Video Institute. He had come to do his workshop here in Austin. And um, I had been doing a lot of Ashtanga. Uh, I kind of fallen into Ashtanga. And I was sort of frustrated a lot because I wasn't able to do certain things and no one could tell me why. And there were and, and again the 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 old adage well, if you just keep practicing, right? Well, yeah, yeah I was practicing yeah. a lot. You know what I mean? Like, well, I guess you just have a weak core. I'm like, well, then how come I can like do all this sort of stuff in Devasana, but okay, I can't lift up. Like, you know what I mean? When I have to right. do jump, like that doesn't make any sense. And it was just frustrating. And I was very like punishing. Does that make sense? And I'm like, why, yeah. why does the person next to me just float through no problem? Um, and it wasn't until I was at in Gary's, workshops he did too he did yoga chikitsa which is yoga therapy and yoga admyakya which is like more of like the sort of spiritual developmental practice mm-hmm. and I asked him what like he was taking questions and whatnot you know and, and I was like hey why can't I jump through and he said he told me to go into dandasana he's like now put your palms on the floor and I can't 
my arms are actually short. And so everyone's like, nobody's arms are too short. Well, apparently I have a very long spine and my palms do not touch the floor. There's a good three inches. So I get fingertips to the floor. That's no problem. Right. But no palms. And he's like, you have short limbs. And I was like, Oh, he's like, it's just your genetics. He's like, it's okay. He's like, here, he slid two blocks underneath my hands and he's like, lift up. I was like, whoosh. And I was like, oh my goodness. Just give me that three inches. Exactly. Right? It's, like wearing, it's like wearing platform heels. It kind of gives you a little extra height. Yeah. <laughs> so that literally blew my mind when it was like, oh, yes, we're all created equally, but we're not the same. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, whoa, what is this? So I just was like, I need to show you this person. So I ended up. I had my 200 hour already. I signed up for his 500 hour and, uh, I just, that was, I never looked back. So wow. once That's... I started with him, you know what I mean? I started with Cam- Leslie Kamenoff, Donna Farkey, like I, there was Judith Laster. Everybody was coming and it was just amazing. It was like a big buffet. Yeah. So I got to like really study with a lot of amazing senior teachers, um, but with that structure that my te- my consistent teacher said, now it's like almost what, 17 years that he's provided really allowed me to um, kind of do and develop what I've become, right. Which is the director of yoga therapy. Right. Yeah. And that kind of leads me to the next question. Then you actually have uh, other, I'm really excited about this. You have a new training that's coming out in January. Um, So for Tantra yoga. So would you actually mind telling what, how that came about and then what to expect in this new program? So with yoga therapy, it's a whole different animal, right? Yeah, um, we look at you know, you know again the whole person, but a lot of this again, and this is just Sanskrit of yoga chikitsa. Yoga can be chikitsa therapeutic, but I think we get sort of pulled into sort of the you know visuals of it. If that makes sense, and really, um, what we're doing is still tantra. So there's a misconception that tantra. Okay, yes, everyone knows about the sting story, ma tantra, blah blah blah. Okay. There is that side of Tantra. It is called the left-hand path. And honestly, I have to say, if anybody says that they're left-hand path, walk away. Like, that's that's not real left-hand. It's like, left-hand path is almost like Fight Club. You don't talk about it. No, <laughs> does that make sense? Like, it's like, so when you think about Tantra, Tantra is actually literally just weaving yourself into your life and your embodied mm-hmm. self, right? Hatha yoga, Hatha yoga is Tantra. All of these practices that we do, we, we're actually like physically doing postures, Ashtanga, uh, Hatha, and Angar, any of these. And it's just, they're all Tantra because Tantra decided to flip the script, right, from the previous iterations of yoga, which were very mental and meditative, right? So Raja Yoga, when Tantra says asana, he literally means sit down. He's not talking about warrior three. He doesn't care about that. He wants you to sit down and breathe, okay. <laughs> focus on something. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh. yeah. And it's hard. And how you get the wiggles? My back hurts. My knees. Like, you know, what I mean? like, like. Oh yeah. Fritties now are all over. And so, the when Hatio came about it was because it was like the rest of us were like, well, we can't just sit under this tree and like meditate for hours on end. It's like really, really hard. Is there another way that we can kind of find the same goal? And again, like you know, yes, <laughs> it was like, get the wiggles out, work these things, these, these, the physical. So use the physical body to help train the mind. So the focus instead was instead of the mental virtues with Tantra, they flipped it to prana. So the movement of your energy. And when we do that, the biggest link for that is your breath. 
And one of the things that we know now in modern times is like your mind and your breath are very much interconnected through your nervous yeah. system. And that's why a lot of times people don't like doing breath work because their mind's like, I don't want to face out. But when you focus on the breath, the mind can't just be one. It has to be in the, it gets reined in, whether it likes it or not. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, well, how do we then use like prana, breath, movement to then make the mind into that stillness that, you know, Patanjali talks about. So we're basically like peeling it back a little bit with our training. And I'm really going to be talking about the origins of yoga, the origins of the philosophy of Tantra. Um, so the history and you know, how it came about in the subcontinent of India, as well as some of these concepts on how we're moving prana, right? And how we can use prana as well as um, embodied practices. So a lot of times I think people think, okay, we do these physical practices, then we sit down and do we do some breath work and then maybe we chant. Well, there's no reason that you can't integrate all of that while you're doing the asana. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be teaching them like, these are ways to kind of get your mind and move your energy and move the breath because as you're doing breath-centered asana, so not just moving with the breath, but maybe we're lengthening, right? That inhale incrementally through purposeful dynamic movement. Maybe instead of counting, this time we're going to be adding mantras. So we're going to start, we have one little mantra chant. We're going to keep adding each word with each, you know what I mean? Like iteration of dynamic movement. So now you're vibrating with the meaning of a mantra, your mind is focused, but your body is also getting all its kinks worked out. So then when you come and then do a breathing practice, you can still be mentally chanting as you're moving through these four parts of the breath. And then you can be contemplating, right? The meaning of the mantra. And then you're in this meditative space. So the whole idea is, is like, instead of trying to like, you know, everything's separate, this whole program is about really integrating the practices. So you know, ideally your personal practice can be anywhere between like five to like 30 minutes. Like, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be like, Oh my goodness. I have to carve out an hour and a half every day. A lot of times that's really hard for us. If we have families, jobs, kids to do Mm -hmm. something that, you know, not that you can please do good time, do it. Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have time for that. (laughs) Something Right. That's more homeopathic. So sink will get right in there, fix the stuff. And I'm like, Oh, I'm a nicer mom. Isn't that great? (laughs) (laughs) I love the description that you use of that. Cause I I know that there were, there are people that were, there are students that were always calling in or maybe kind of checking in with us and asking, you know, Hey, like, what is the difference between this and vinyasa? But that was a great description. And I hope uh, everyone listens to what to expect uh, during this training and uh, get on board with it. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it sounds sounds awesome. So the last question I have, and I, I kind of pose this to everyone because everyone has a different experience and a different memory of what happens or what's occurring. So what do you feel is the most valuable lesson over the last year, particularly over the pandemic that you that came mm-hmm. up for you? Mm. To be perfectly honest, it was very much of a stripped down process, right? Where there is this idea of what truly is important, um, what is nourishing and necessary, you know what I mean? Like in my life and, um, you know, a lot of extra, you know, <laughs> things like I, uh, don't have the same value anymore. Yeah. Right. To me. Um, and 
I and I'm not. I know like a lot. A lot of people had a hard time being, you know, sort of contained or quarantined. Um, some people were alone. I was blessed that I had my fiance and my kids. You know what I mean? Which of course is always that blessing and a curse. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But it was one of those things where it's like, can we all survive together? In a bit? we were in a very small space too. We weren't. We we we. We, we have now bought a house, but we were not in the house. We were you, in, it was a big test. It was a very test. <laughs> it was like three boys. Us, oh my! Cat, like just like a small, and you know, it's a the tempering or a polishing process, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, and and you know, there was I can't remember the, the gentleman's name. He has since passed. He was a yoga and a Buddhist uh, teacher. I will eventually find his name and give it to you. But he said yeah. he, he always um, he meant he he always translated yoga. And again, the Sanskrit is yoj, it's to yoke, right? That's what yoga comes from. But he called it in this sort of this sort of modern way is intimacy. Yoga is intimacy. And I guess this works very well with contracts and things to that, but it's intimacy with yourself, right? It's like you truly have to understand and know yourself. Right. And then intimacy with your family. Right. Intimacy just means that, you know, something or someone so acutely. Right. And this tempering process was definitely one of intimacy with our family. Like, you know, we all had had one point lost our marbles. You know what I mean? But yet we were still able to contain. Right. And help each other. You know, (laughs) the whole process. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess. um, there's just, a, I would say, a definite more sweetness and a more intimacy in family life, I would say, has been that. And that's, again, yoga. Okay, all of it is yoga, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, even the little rubs, like, oh, like, it's a tempering. And it's like, okay. <laughs> all right. I love that, though. That Yeah, that's a beautiful sentiment to kind of think of it that way. Uh, having your practice be your intimate, intimate time, I guess. Yeah. I love it. Well, anyway, thank you again, Anna, for taking the time today. Um, I truly love your energy. This is going to be an awesome episode. So thanks again for being here. And thanks again for our listeners for showing up too and checking it out. So have a beautiful rest of your day. All right. Take care. (laughs) Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Anna Pilar. So as always, don't forget to share, review, and subscribe. Be well, my friends.